Cinebuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies talking about from 88.9, I am Justin Barney. From Milwaukee Film, I'm Christopher Pollard. Together, we're Cinebuds, and today we are talking about the movie Cyrano. Hey, Cyrano. Cyrano? Cyrano. Pleasure to meet you, Cyrano de Bergerac. You're a freak. Cyrano is the movie based on the play Cyrano de Bergerac, about a man who is self-conscious about his looks and helps another man write love letters to the woman that he loves. And they weave a tangled web of love. What a tangled love web. This version of Cyrano stars Peter Dinklage as the titular Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's a musical that is written by The National. Christopher, what did you think of Cyrano? First of all, I want to say, I love this story. I've always really liked this story a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very appealing when you're younger, for sure, because it's all about love. And uh, like, it's a. What what do you like about it? It's very much Pretty in Pink to me, the Ducky story from Pretty in Pink. Mm. (laughs) It's that I. I love a girl and she's not, I'm just already convinced before anything happens that she's never going to love me back. Even though (laughs) I have this beautiful soul. (laughs) That's appealing to any younger person, but genuinely it's a lovely story of a very charismatic character. So I just, I, I, and I, and the and the story can you know depends on what version you're seeing of it or reading is can, is also very tragic which always also has an appeal you know yes so, absolutely so anyway i love this story um and i was hesitant when i came in to knowing it was a musical cuz i have a complicated relationship when i hear that something's a musical same hit and miss yeah exactly but Overall, I really, really liked this version. I thought it was a really interesting way to do it, and it was had enough style and interesting, uh, interesting differences. To I, I really appreciated it. Like you, I like the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. I love the uh, you know the unrequited love. Um, uh, I love the tragedy. I love the romance of it. Um, I like Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I love the band The National. Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> I was like, so I hear the butt. The National writing a musical? They're they're not exactly Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Peter Peter Dinklage, like he's not exactly there's like like I love Roxanne with Steve Martin. You of know, course, like and yeah. Steve Martin has this kind of like goofy, innocent charm. Peter Dinklage kind of like always plays a villain. His voice is deep. He is like troubled. Doesn't like scream charisma. Um I was sure that I was not gonna like this movie. But I got, and even like the first like half an hour, I was like, nah, this is not working. Yeah. And then it won oh, me over. Surprise. Yes. You know what? And I, had, I, yeah. I had a similar I thing really where I was, liked this I was won over as well. I had a very similar ride, I think. So, so just before, and we will get more into it in the podcast, but it starts with Cyrano 
like everybody going to this play and he doesn't like the actor on stage and he literally gets up there and kicks the actor off and sends everybody home. Yeah. And I was just like, how you could not start with a less likable scene. Oh, no. I was like, this man is, this, who would like this I, person? I realized that that incident on paper is awful, but the way he did it was so funny that I did like him. He's like, oh, that's bad, but you're pretty uh, charming, so I liked oh it. Oh my god. That's I funny. was like, yeah, there's a lot of redeeming that has to happen and somehow it did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it did get redeemed and I really like this story a lot and the music, though, like, it's the national, it's not singing in the rain, but it right. all, like, really, really worked for me. Like, Cyrano, like, is dark, um, but he is tragic. It is beautiful. Beautiful. I I loved um I loved Christian. He was just this kind of like lovable himbo. Yeah. And the like whole story I think was uh I think it was really well done and I really loved oh, it. Oh, that's great. I'm glad to hear it. We're gonna talk more about this movie and what else we've been watching and our Instagram poll about whether <laughs> dream loungers <laughs> whether people like dream loungers or not in the podcast. Stick around. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank. Proud supporter of Milwaukee Film and offering support year-round through Milwaukee Film Checking. More about Associated Bank's commitment to the Milwaukee community at AssociatedBank.com. Member FDIC. We all wish we could find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but have you ever considered that there might be one at the end of your driveway? That car, truck, or boat you don't need could power hours of your favorite on-air programming when you donate it to Radio Milwaukee. Pickup is free, and you can qualify for a tax deduction. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to learn more. And we're back. Hi, everyone. We are talking about Cyrano de Bergerac. Um... And we wanted to start off by talking about the music. I uh, the the original play Cyrano de Bergerac, written by Edmund Rostand yeah. in 1897, which is honestly later than I thought. That was before I was takes- born. <laughs> Just barely. Just a little before I was born. Uh, it takes place in France in the 1640s. And I, I just think like, you know, 1800s, 1640s. I'm like, what's the difference? You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, like, I kind of like, yeah. But um, it's it's written in verse and uh, it's been adapted not in verse many times. But this version is a musical. I was a little concerned about that. Ditto. And then... Also, it is a musical from The National, uh, who is a band that is famously, famously sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Almost gives you like a little bit of a warning, like there's going to be some sad stuff in this. Yes. And I was so not sure how it worked, even though I love The National. Right. Um, I, I really, really love that band. I've seen them a billion times. I've interviewed every single person in that band. The Desner brothers are two brothers in it, and they um, they compose like classical music outside of it. So they're oh, not. So they have a hand in it already. They have a hand in it already. They're not just like a, a pop band or like an indie right. band that makes a bunch of albums and then does this. Like the Desner brothers, like legit score music. They do classical stuff. They have like won awards for. 
um, for the classical music that they have made. Yeah. And uh, the the lyrics are are written by um, Matt Berninger, who's the lead singer. And I was, uh, I, and also like Peter Dinklage, not a singer, you no. know. <laughs> and and I was a little worried about all of that. And I had heard the the song because it's being worked to radio, and I have record label people calling me about playing it. And I was like, hey, this this does not work for me. Yeah. And uh, um, but in the context of the movie, I thought that the music fit in a way that I just was not expecting. It wasn't like we have a big emotion, let's sing about it. Or like, it wasn't like big stop sets. It did like really work with the story. What's interesting to me is, so I am familiar with The National and I did not, sure. I did not know that they did the music until I was about halfway through the movie. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Well, here's two, two perspectives. One, I, it could have changed the way I viewed the, the music and how it incorporated into the film or, and right. I genuinely think this is more likely it got better. The songs, the music got better about halfway through for me. Interesting. Because and how did you figure that out at, or know that? At, well, I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, I busted. Yeah, no, I, uh -oh. <laughs> to be fair. And this is sad. I was at home when I watched it. Uh, I didn't, okay. I didn't choose to be, my car wouldn't let me go anywhere, but, uh, right. okay. <laughs> but I did look it up because I was curious about the music. Here's what I did think initially though. I'm like, even if I'm not in totally into the music, I think it could be because this is a very different way to do a musical. It's not, like you said, a catchy song that you're used to from like, you know, South Pacific. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I use that example. <laughs> it's not like chorus, chorus, you know, or like, you know, right. it was very different and it had a different tone to it. I also think I was getting used to it, but I do think I prefer the songs and the music from the last half more, but I was like, oh, I hear, I hear the national in it now that I know. Now I can kind mm -hmm. of connect it. Also, the fact that Absolutely. Peter Dinklage, he can't, it's not that he can't sing. Like he, he wasn't like off tune or anything like that. We're not talking about mm -hmm. like Les Miserables style off tune. <laughs> right. What's his name? But he's just, it's just not very sing-songy sound. It's just, he's has a baritone voice and he's, uh, he's singing the notes, but it's not very, it's, it's more, it's closer to talking. And that like so worked because Peter Dinklage has a really deep voice. Right. He's like, his voice like is beautiful. Just the way that like he talks because it's so deep. Yeah. Um, and that's the way that Matt Berninger writes, that's you know, right. like that is the register for which he writes in. So he never really like had to like stretch it or push it. Yeah. It, like, that's what I was like written, like designed that yeah, way. Yeah. That's what it kind of like turned a key for me. I'm like, Oh, it's very similar to them in this fashion. And then it, it kind of worked for me a lot better then. So I don't know if it's the knowledge of it really set in uh, or if I would have got that without it. But I do, I did really enjoy it. And I've enjoyed how different it was for a musical. Me too. And I, I want to also talk about the story a bit. So yeah. Cyrano de Bergerac, classically, the character has a large nose. Right. And like that is the deal. And I, I listened to an interview that um, that Peter Dinklage did on Fresh Air in like 2016 when he was doing the stage play of this. Yeah. And he said, uh, he was like, yes, the, the version of Cyrano that we do on stage, he's like, every time I see somebody 
do the Cyrano de Bergerac, it's you see them with the big nose on stage and you just see a man with a fake nose. Right. And so um, we don't do the fake nose. We make mention of it up top and then but the the character doesn't actually have a big nose. Um, And I was like, that's an interesting um, way to do it. Um, and the interviewer was like, well, don't you think that people are going to make it, um, people are going to think that it is your height that you are self-conscious about? And he was like, no. And he was very adamant that that was not the point, that that, that yeah. the, the story, the character was about the nose and not about his height. And so I went in thinking that, but that is not, they, they do make mention of his height, like I think three times yeah, in this, that that, that that is the thing that he was self-conscious about. And going into this movie, I I was just so ready to like not love it. And it starts off like we had said before. It starts off with this scene where this guy goes on stage to do this play and a bunch of people like are there for this guy. Everyone is like he's the most loved and he starts his monologue and Cyrano yells from the back. <laughs> he heckles him. And in he heckles him and he interrupts the play and then he gets on stage and he makes everybody <laughs> leave. Yeah. I I was like like I cannot be- I cannot believe this guy. Beyond making he doesn't it's not even making him leave. He he pays for their tickets. He goes, they're like, I paid to see this. And he goes, well, here's the money back essentially. Cause he was so, here's what I like. Here's what it establishes to me. He is so one powerful. He's like, he's a, he's a powerful mm-hmm. presence. He's very mm-hmm. funny. He does this whole rhymed. He rhymes his, this verse about how bad he is and how he should retire this actor. And right. it's because he's ruining the art form. So it kind of establishes for me how serious he takes language and poetry and theater and, Absolutely. and, and how brash he is, you know, despite what, they set up as him being very, very different from everyone else. Yes, you are right. And and that is what it's, that's what it's set off to do is like, this man is so passionate and has such reverence for art. He is such a great critic and able to see like what is truly beautiful and real that, you know, he does this, he does everybody a favor by, um, you know, by, you know, pulling the wool from their eyes and and I, you know, and it is effective uh, to a point, but I, it, it, like I think that you know ages poorly when you're like you know a bunch of people are going to enjoy this thing and are here to enjoy this thing, so let them. Um, and so I was I was kind of like I, I I was like all right, we're not headed in a great direction. And then um, Roxanne is you know um, she is the main character who Cyrano loves, and she is in love with Christian and not Cyrano. And then uh, two men team up to manipulate one woman. <laughs> I mean, that is what the story is. You're right. And that is what the story is. And I was down, like, yeah. and I was like, wow, we are really, we're just like off to it here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It is funny how some of these uh, plots from ages ago they have a good yes. they have a good heart but essentially when you boil it down they are uh they're just, and, ma- just master manipulators and i and i was like I, and that's what i feared was that this would just like age so poorly it would be <laughs> yeah. you know but then 
There is the scene where it started winning me back. One, it started winning me back with uh, the set design. Roxanne is a redhead and they have her set in these like beautiful French blues, you know, like the bed is blue, the background is blue. And like all these set designs were absolutely incredible. The like castles that they are in or just like the sets alone. I'm like, where did they film these? And then when they sing the songs, the choreography is so gorgeous. I like started to be won back by that. But then there is a scene where Christian meets Roxanne and uh, without the help of Cyrano de Bergerac's uh, verse, and he has to kind of like, he has to try to use his words. And it is so legit funny that I was like, all right, baby, I'm in. (laughs) That was like where it started to turn. And then, um, and then I really liked it from then on. You know, what's really interesting about this movie is there were moments throughout We've talked about this a lot on the show where it's like, oh, the the film changes at some point into something different. And this is, for me, this is kind of one of those films where the first half and the second half are markedly different. The first half is a little lighter. It's a little, you know, it's a drama, but there's like melodrama and there's gags and there's there's a lot more people. Amazing. By the way, amazing sword play. I I do wish there were more of that because that was really nice the way they did that. I I do love swords. (laughs) I do love swords. That's That's a fact. That's a fact. I I say it all the time. Justin loves swords. And, (laughs) but it does take a, a turn when it gets a bit darker. I loved the last half substantially more than the first even though I really enjoyed the first and the first is more my cup of tea, really like it's clever and, and, and a little funny and a little actiony and like a little romantic. Mm-hmm. As it got sadder, the filmmaking to me got a lot better. And I want to point out one scene that is to me, the best thing of the movie, the best okay. is when they're at war and they're in sort of like a foxhole, essentially. And oh, there, yeah. yeah, there are three men who are singing the song. They're writing their last letters to their loved ones because they think they're going to die. First of all, Glenn Hansard makes an appearance there. And yes, I, and- I love Glenn Hansard. Okay. I, yeah. I like him. I love his voice. I love the movie Once, which I am. Yes. Every time I hear any of the songs from that, my eyes immediately uh, tear up. Um, but hearing him start, and then I looked up, I saw the other two uh, actors are also uh, singer-songwriters. So they each had this moment that is so touching. The song was so good. The filmmaking there was so nice that it really started just pulling your heart apart. And I thought that's where, I mean, that's, I liked the whole movie. I liked it as a whole, but that's the yeah. moment where I was, took it really seriously. It's funny because I my one of my coworkers saw it and I asked them how it was and he was like um, he's like yeah Peter Dinklage doesn't have a great voice but they surround him with other people who also don't have great voices so it, like <laughs> <laughs> <That's interesting. laughs> so it doesn't stand out and uh, and then I saw Glenn Hansard you see him for like a second and um yeah it is my job to know who he is oh. and so i recognize i recognize <laughs> i mean it is yeah i mean technically you don't get paid to identify musicians in movies that's technically not your job but, if, but it comes no, but with if your I, but if i didn't i wouldn't be very good at my job i see i see uh, 
And then he he started singing, and I was like, I I I also thought that that point was magical because those are three the three trained singers that they yeah. that they have. Though Roxanne had a good voice, yeah. Um, but that was like here was like a moment where they were like, okay, we are going to have we are going to sing a song, and each one of their verses was so great. It was yeah. like so like little touching and perfect and beautiful. Did did Roxanne was there a moment where you thought, okay, that's not her. Everything else is her, but there's a moment where she, her voice got real big and bold, and I felt like it wasn't her singing. No, I thought I thought that they did a really great job in this movie of like very clearly it being them singing it on camera. You I, could like see the yeah. Like, you know, I, all the parts. I will say I felt that way 90% of the time. There was a moment where Nicole said, is that Katy Perry? Which I thought was hilarious. And I was like, I doubt it, but I see what you're saying. I don't think so. She, <laughs> she did have a, uh, she has a, a very good voice. No, she did. Yeah. I, I liked, uh, I liked, there was just a very big, bold moment, but yeah, I really, I, I didn't, like I said, I, f- I feel like the, the way they sang worked well within the context of how they were filming this particular film. So, it was really nice. And this the movie was just so horny. <laughs> yeah, it was a little horny, but it was like mildly horny. Like, I just want to kiss. It was like, <laughs> except for, oh, the bad right. guy. The bad guy who was played by Ben Mendelsohn, who is a really good bad guy. He's always a good bad uh, guy. I love a villain song. The villain song is always like someone with a big gruff voice, you know, singing about how they want to attack, you know. And And he also he also can't sing very well either. It was more like talking, talking deep through it. Uh, It's like some kind of like deep plot. I live for a villain song, and I was glad that we got. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's great. This movie is nominated for uh, best costumes. Yes, best achievement in costume design. I I mean, when you got a period piece from France yeah. in the 1600s, it's kind of like if you don't get the nomination, you have done something seriously wrong. Yeah, someone but, looked um, up the wrong time frame. Like otherwise like, <laughs> oh, it's not 1970? Oh, I messed up. They did have right. some amazing sheep costumes in a play that they were doing oh. at the beginning. Dude, the nun costumes. The, no, the, ha- the big oh, habit. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! The co- I get it so for the costumes. Good. I think they should have got it for makeup too, because there was some what seemed to be, uh, like I would know, historically accurate face painting on the on the fops at the beginning, where it's just kind of not great. Like it doesn't cover like everything. I would know. <laughs> like I would know about what's accurate to the period, but what I felt is that, and that's all. It, that's all that matters is how I felt about a fact. That is true. But that is it. I did love the fops. Always love a good fop. That was great. They were great. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot um, of great details. And I think overall, I mean, for me, it was pretty solid. It was for me too. And I went in very skeptical. So it yeah. truly won me over. Wonderful. All right. Cyrano. Okay, Christopher, time for our favorite segment. What else have you been watching? I want you to go first because I got very little. Oh, okay. Um, I watched a couple of movies. Um, Criterion has the best uh, Oscar-winning foreign pictures. Yes. And uh, and I have been – I watched Mephisto, which was very good. But um, uh, the movie that I want to talk about that I really, really loved was – Disney's Turning Red. 
Oh, I want to see that really bad. It is the new movie on Disney Plus, yeah. and I went into it being like, "This is essentially a straight to straight to VHS movie." Yeah, you know, it's not getting a theatrical release. They're putting it right on the app, right. and so it, uh, you know, it, it 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 kind of like signals that they're just like doing it to give you content. But um, that is incorrect because Turning Red is a story of a mother and a daughter that had me crying maybe 45 minutes in. And then I didn't stop crying for the next 45 minutes. That's my jam. (laughs) Oh, my God. And the thing that this movie does right um, is that in this mother-daughter relationship, the daughter really loves the mother and really, really cares about her opinion. And the mother really cares about the daughter. And so in so many movies where you're portraying a kid, yeah, or or the relationship, it's like so often they're like, let's have a kid who just like, you know, you hate your mom, you know, or like you wanna you wanna do this or whatever. But like the central conflict that's at the center of it all is that these two people really love each other and they're trying to figure out how to live their own lives and how to live a life together. And uh, I am like about to tear up while talking about it. (laughs) It was just so incredibly well done and everybody should see it. It was fantastic. You know what I, you know what I know they did right before I even see the movie. But. Is they chose Red Panda uh, as the, <laughs> yeah. because it's one of the cutest things in the world. It is, and I also like going in. I was like, okay, like smart on you, Disney, yeah. picking the most adorable animal possible. And I thought that that was just like a manipulation in its own to be like, well, the story wasn't great, but we picked the cutest yeah. animal, so we're gonna like sell. That was my animals. concern. Yeah. Right. No, no but the trailer, fantastic. I've watched the trailer several times and every time out loud, I go, oh, I got to see that. I got to see <sighs> oh, that. So like, just like tears flowing, like puddle of tears. That's, that's how it should be. Yes. Um, I realized I'm, I was incorrect. I do have something to talk about. Um, okay. Cause I rewatched one of, and I think I mean this, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Okay. I think wow, we'll have I to think, make the list one. Time. I know. I think I mean Roma. This. It's not Roma. It's not even close. Is I, it uh, a Return of the Frog People? I'm sorry. Do you mean Frog Town? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, no, it is neither of those gems. Those wonderful gems. It is a movie called Jesus's Son. It's from 1999 by director Allison McLean. Uh, it stars Billy Crudup and Samantha Morton, uh, but it is based on a series of short stories by Jesus. Dennis Johnson. Jesus's son. Jesus's son. Yeah, based on short stories, okay. and I love a movie that you can tell is based on short stories because it yeah, is yeah. essentially this main character has all these different scenarios happen with different characters throughout his like uh, uh, you know a, a few years, but it has great performances by like indie actors like Michael Shannon is in it. Holly Hunter, Dennis Hopper, Jack Black has an amazing, honestly, a genuinely great performance by Jack Black in it, which is you say that like it's surprising. Well, it's because it's funny, but it's also a, dr- a dramatic movie for the most part. 
So it's a, it's a little different for him, which is always nice. You say that like Jack Black doesn't have range, Christopher. Um, I'm telling you, I'm literally telling you he does. I'm, li- right. <laughs> I'm literally okay. saying it. Um, but it's great. It's about Billy Crudup. Uh, he plays a character. I don't think I, I can't say his name on the air. I don't think. Can I say things that are I, bad words? Podcast. You can say whatever you want. All right. His name is. Uh, wow, really we only... have never said that. <laughs> hey, you can say things, but you cannot say that on Christopher. <laughs> I uh, Whoa. I mean, listen, I welcome a bleep. I, I've rarely been bleeped in my life, and I, I welcome it. But they only call him that once. And you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of unnamed. Right. But he's this, he's, uh, you know, he's the drugs. He's kind of dumb. And you see all these scenarios. Some are more dramatic, some are funnier, but they're all really engaging. It's a, a really good movie. I highly recommend Jesus' son. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about our Instagram poll. Oh, how can we forget it? All right. You want to set it up while I find the results? Yeah. Well, um, we have a lifelong struggle between uh, I, what I'm going to call uh, pride in yourself and <laughs> letting yourself go in public. I think that sums it up. Is that That's not skewed in any way. But uh, Justin put a poll on our Instagram uh, to ask people if they love Dream Loungers. I think we all know what Dream Loungers are. Seats that are heated. They go back. When you're watching a movie, they're very comfy. Uh, Whether you hate them or whether you're indifferent. I think it's smart that you put indifferent because, in my opinion, I mean, few people hate them. You hate them. I did. I will admit in the poll, I voted hate. But <laughs> and I will also admit I just did that uh, for shits. But I'm indifferent to them, if I'm being honest. Okay. Do you want to know the results? I think I'm looking at them, but you say them, yeah. Because I'm not trusting you. That's As why. of right now, I posted the the poll 16 hours ago, and we're also oh, this we're is amazing. Yeah. Cinebuds Cinebuds podcast. On Instagram, if you want to uh, weigh in here, um, though it will probably be done by the time you hear it, but Cinebuds podcast. And uh, okay, as of right now, the results are a tie yeah. with 46% of people saying that they love Dream Loungers and 46 people, 46% saying that they are indifferent. And then there is an 8% of people who say that they hate them. So, tech. Nickly. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say no. I'm saying different. Um, <laughs> I was going to say indifference get lumped in with hate, but that no, does not count. No. No. I agree. So, so we do not have more people love them than hate them, but wait, wait, 46% oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. love, 46% indifferent. Yeah. Here's I'll the, try to look at it closer to the actual only, 24 hours. Only me and Laura said hate, and, <laughs> and Laura, <laughs> God bless you. Um, I will say, and I, and I honestly don't hate them. I I love this result, to be honest with you, because I think indifferent is better than hate in this scenario, because they're like, yeah, I could take them or leave them. It doesn't affect my movie going choices or experiences. It's indifference. Oh, 
I think it does impact your experience. Well, your experience of, of people laying <laughs> on a freaking couch in comfort. Yeah, that's yeah, what I. That's what I. I take that. That's what I do in the comfort of my home, like a civilized person. The funniest thing is that uh, here's another addition to this controversy. All I don't right, know if you saw right. on the Mem- Milwaukee Film member page. But oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> so Stephen uh, posted, he goes, I just want to thank you. I listen to Cinebuzz and I really love it. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> he said, I want to thank you for bringing up blankets in the theater. I see that sometimes and I, I'm shocked by it. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but then that sparked off so uh, many comments <laughs> on both sides, by the way. But mostly at first it started out like, yeah, I think that's ridiculous. Like you wouldn't do that if you went to uh, the opera. You wouldn't bring a blanket. Uh, and then other people saying, I don't think it's a big deal. I get cold. Which to them, I say, bring a coat. Me like, too. What happened to coats, man? What happened? But to- the coat does not cover your legs, wow. and those are the things that get cold. If you are in that much danger from from frostbite that you can't go to a theater, you need to stay home. I don't know what this like, – you're so against being comfortable. It's no, like, I'm just, perfectly comfortable sitting in a – I mean all the – You must suffer to <laughs> enjoy the film. All right, Cyrano de Bergerac. I mean gladly. First of all, love that comparison. Second <laughs> – <but>, um, <laughs> I don't think – I think you should be comfortable. I'm always – I mean not always. There, I want to talk tell you about a theater I went to where the seats went back so much that if I didn't – like forcibly pulled myself forward, I would have been looking at the ceiling. Nice. Like that is a dream lounger. That's like an early prototype of a dream lounger. I was almost on the floor. They went back so much. Nice. But I like to sit up because it keeps me attentive. I can, I don't fall asleep. I am paying attention. Then don't recline your dream lounger. I don't. Then keep it it in the upright position. I do. But I like to have the choice. I do. And that's why, let me me be clear. I don't think they should be vanquished. I'm not imposing a dictatorship. I'm just saying, for me, I prefer to sit up like a gentleman. Well, I like (laughs) having the option. (laughs) Well, you do. Luckily, we live in a world where you do. All right. Okay. Dream loungers turning red. We're not done yet. We're not done yet, everybody. (laughs) This will come back a hundred times. It will. (laughs) All right. This has been Cinebuds. Cinebuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. He's a handsome man. We, our theme song is from Milwaukee musician and author. Fred Newski. Ooh, double threat. Um, uh, we also get support from Associated Bank. Thank you, Associated Bank. We also get support from our members from 89 Radio Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. I would like to thank one more person. I don't, this is very unusual, the, but I will allow it. The Christian to my Cyrano de Bergerac. Absolutely not. I, Absolutely not. I, I would like to thank Absolutely. Christopher Pollard. Absolutely incorrect. <laughs> I refuse. I do not accept your thanks. Christian was just. Christian I mean, yes, like I'm such... very handsome. I get it. I'm a very oh, handsome man. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.